What's up, everybody? My name is Trevor. This is Erica Mania. I am so happy to have a conversation with you. We've had conversations in passing. I've mm -hmm. uh, been following what you've been doing, seeing what you've been doing. You may be one of the most interesting people <laughs> to me. I mean, you just, you just, you just weigh up the list on just interest and the things that you're doing that are so cool. And so I just want to dive into everything and then come to find out this is a really not a, a super easy day. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a difficult day. Um, and uh, if you're okay, I'd like to talk just a little bit about that. I think yeah. that could help people. And then, um, yeah, so we're going to dive in. First thing you need to know is this. She is a pro athlete this is so cool and like she she does you play for team usa i do and uh please like <laughs> tell everybody the sport because it is so cool so niche or niche whatever you want to say yep. it's so awesome so if you don't mind just kind of like how did you get into being a professional racquetball player yeah that's a great question so yeah racquetball professionally it's a very niche um, my dad played at our local gym when we were kids. Honestly, I hated the gym daycare. So they would put my brother and I in a racquetball court instead. I think we were too young to reach the door handle. So it was like their own personal daycare for us. <laughs> oh, I love that. Right? Just put them in a box. Exactly. Nothing can go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nothing can go wrong. <laughs> you and your brother <laughs> at whatever age. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Starting at five years old. Classic parenting. They did a phenomenal job. <laughs> and then by age seven, we started, uh, went to our first tournament. And we, I mean, we were just athletic. We weren't even good. We were just athletic. So we ended up winning um, the national juniors for our age group. And then we went, started competing on Team USA just as kids. And it was kind of history ever since. Now my brother and I both play full-time professionally. Oh, my gosh. Like, what's crazy to me is it's not crazy that, like, you can be a racquetball professional. That's not crazy because I think it, <laughs> Because I think if you can excel to being one of the greatest at anything, you can be a pro at it. Like, Fair. you know what I mean? I think that I think that's, I think that's awesome. But what what is crazy to me is your lifestyle. Like, it's a for real job. Job. <laughs> You're not just halfway. You know? Oh, I'm a pro. <laughs> you know? And and, right. and you're like, you're traveling a ton. I con uh, constantly see you sharing things where you're like overseas or on the other side of the country. And mm -hmm. so how does it work? Uh, like, I see that it's, I, I know that you said, you know, it's like, it's been history ever since. I think that's so cool. <laughs> I love that because that's a story, right? Like, uh, for, for real history ever, se ever since, or like, you know, you know, you had to beat a lot of people and you got to be really good and you got to be quite competitive. <laughs> True. So... <laughs> So, <laughs> so <laughs> kind of feeling called out here. <laughs> no, 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 I don't want you to feel called out. I, I, think, <laughs> I think it's so, um, it's so cool because you carry a ton of humility. You're like, Hey, you know, I'm just a racquetball player. I've heard you say that even, you know, and, and you kind of lower it, but it's like really cool. Thank you. It's very, very cool. So what are some of your greatest accomplishments? If it's okay. Like, like what are some of those so that people can understand yeah. what that looks like. So how kind of racquetball works is there's two different tours. So I have the ladies professional racquetball tour in one side, and then I have Team USA on the other side over here. So it's kind of two different circuits that you compete in. 
On the Team USA side, we only have a couple tournaments a year, and that's through the International Racquetball Federation, who lives underneath the International Olympic Committee. So that's going to kind of be the Olympic circuit on this side. And then the Ladies Professional Racquetball Tour, that's going to be every month. So about every other week is when I'm competing on that tour. That's where we're traveling a lot more in the nation. Um, top, like, 30 of us, I would say, are traveling pretty consistently and regularly trying to get that number one spot, but then you have other people that come in throughout to other tournaments. Um, yeah. So cool. And your current ranking is one, right? One in the nation right now, okay. which is awesome. And then I'm currently number five in the world. So we're oh getting there gosh. slowly but surely. <laughs> so cool, Erica. And then, uh, and then Olympics. So yeah. racquetball plays in the Summer Olympics. No Olympics, actually, which okay. is weird. So, okay, that's what, that's what I was like. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. There's three different games underneath the International Olympic Committee. So you have Pan American Games, World Games, and Olympic Games. So we don't qualify for Olympic Games because we're not in enough continents in order to play, but we do qualify for World Games and Pan American Games. That makes sense. So if it, if it goes across, what's the, do you know, do you know the number? I believe it's five. Okay. So, so it has to be on five continents? Yep, and you have to have federation, successful federations, like running programs in each one of those continents. Okay, okay, and now it's like two or three? I think we're at, th yeah, three or four. We're three or four? Yeah, okay. it's, meh, it, it is what it is. <laughs> it is, it is what it is. It you is. don't make the rules, you just win, okay? It, that's all I you have to do. You don't make the rules, <laughs> you just win. Okay, so what does it take, and like what was in you uh, to get there because that's a that's a long yeah it's a long journey you totally. know and uh so what is it what what's what's in you what makes you maybe rise to the top yes athletic is right. kind of how you began but it takes more than a t uh that kind of natural skill so it's kind of funny I loved racquetball as a kid it was something that connected me to my dad and to my family, to my brother. It was just our connection point. Um, I had friends through across the nation and world. Like, it was just different. But then going into high school, a little bit of middle school and high school, I didn't like being different anymore because you play this niche sport, you're traveling, you're playing on Team USA. Everyone's like, what the heck? To find out later on, there was different reasons that you stood out. But um, so then I actually hated the sport for about 10 years because I was over being so different and kind of being outcasted with all my other friends. And so really disliked it, went to college, didn't really want to play it. I played in a local club just because I was good at it and it made me really good friends. Um, then the pandemic hit. It was the first year since I was six years old that I ever took a full year off of training and off of competing and came back, played a tournament got my booty handed to me by a junior, and I... You were mad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I called my trainer, and I said, I'm either quitting my job or I'm quitting the sport. I don't know which one. We're and, either all in or all out. Yep, exactly. And I fell back in love with the sport for the first time in about a decade. Within those two weeks of that tournament, I quit my job, turned down a job offer from my career path that I was supposed to go into, moved home, decided to uh, make the company, my coaching company with my brother, and started playing full-time racquetball. Come so. on. That is so <laughs> cool. So you've, you've been playing full-time for the past four years, three years? Three years. Three mm -hmm. years, three years. Okay. And you're from Denver. Yes. Uh, and you moved away, and then you yep. did this, like, tell everybody about that. So from Denver, and then kind of what you were doing 
yeah. as you were traveling and maybe what was going on in your life? Went to college at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. I wanted a mini Denver in a different state. That's so right. Okay. Found it. <laughs> you found it. Yeah, that's it. Amazing. Uh, graduated with biomedical science for my bachelor's and then master's was business and administration. Um, was going to go medical sales. Was kind of going to be the route. Um, but then studied. I love traveling. So I studied abroad in Costa Rica and in Spain. When the pandemic hit, I didn't want to quarantine. Sorry. And so I decided to go to Grand Canyon, Zion, and then did Breckenridge. And so I just traveled around. Oh, man. And then from there, you got a job. What, yeah. it was, and it's such an interesting – what was the job that you got after? You just need to share that because I think that's kind of funny. Fair. So I was supposed to work with Stryker uh, Medical Sales, and it was probably the best job offer I could have gotten with zero experience straight out of college. Yeah, that's a big company. Like, not, That's a yeah, legit. It was awesome. I mean, I was going to be very financially stable, which would have been nice. Uh, <laughs> but Classic. <yeah>. Classic <laughs> athlete with dreams. <laughs> True. You know? like, I just love that. I feel like you're a dreamer. Are you a dreamer? I, I like to think so. Okay. At least my brother, I'm a dreamer. My brother's really the dreamer, and he kind of creates a path, and I'm like, haha, I can help you execute that path. So we're kind of together dreamers. <laughs> I love that. Family dreams. Yeah, family That's dreams. That's cool. Uh, what's your brother's name? Adam. Adam. Uh, what? Tell me about your relationship, because I feel like yeah. that's really intertwined. You tour nice. together. Is, is it like the men's tour... Like paired yep. with like how the women's tour. Tell tell me how that works, and then tell me about your like your relationship with your brother. Fair. So first, Adam's my best friend. He's my brother. He's older than me by three years. Um, if I don't talk to him every day, I'm like, what the heck's going on? And now he has fiance, and they're on vacation, and I'm like, okay, when do you get back from vacation? Like I need to talk to you, <laughs> even if it's for two minutes, because he's a brother, so he's not gonna talk for long. Um, but yeah, that's my brother, but they have the men's professional tour and then we have the ladies. Some of our tournaments will overlap, but only a couple a year, but on team USA side, we all travel together. So how you make team USA is you're either top two in the nation for singles or number one in doubles or number one in mixed doubles. So him and I have competed for mixed doubles together and then we get on the team for singles or doubles so then we can travel together. Oh man. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. And that's fun. Yeah. Okay. And then you have a coaching. I've heard you talk about your kind of yeah. like your coaching side. So like, tell me, tell, tell us a little bit about that because mm -hmm. that kind of helps you be able to accomplish the athletic side is what I'm hearing exactly. as well. So like, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. So Adam, actually he's the one that made it. And then I just kind of joined on and said, let's go. <laughs> so it's called mini athletics. We made virtual coaching for all athletes across the world. So the hard thing about racquetball is your people want to get better they want to try improving. They just don't know how to, and they don't really have the resources to do so. So what we did was we made kind of Peloton, but for racquetball. So people put their phone in the back of their courts, wireless earphones in, and we take them through group coaching classes, like racquetball, fitness, good workout, on the court no matter where you're at in the nation. So, yeah. That is so cool. Thanks. Wait, for real? Like, so, you, so you're watching them and coaching them in the like Bluetooth headphones or whatever. Exactly. So we blast music in the background. We tell them what drills to do. It doesn't matter what level you are. Everyone needs to work on the same exact things. It's just going to be if your consistency is higher or lower. So then it's a pro in your ear, you know, so you can give them feedback live. And then you're also with a team. So you're no longer working alone, but now you're working with a community to get better. I think that is so uh, innovative <laughs> and quite interesting as well. Yeah. Like, 
What an interesting what you just said Peloton for racquetball. <laughs> I think that's a great like tag. Thanks. That's a great tagline. Oh my gosh. That is that is so cool. I I uh man. Okay, so when you're when you're coaching somebody and let's say that there's somebody joining in who follows you or is yep. interested in your coaching, kind of kind of guide somebody in that process and why it's helpful yep. uh, like from your experience? I think the first thing is one, I'll hop on a Zoom call or a phone call with anyone. I'm, I get texting, I get emailing, just let's hop on a call. It's a lot easier. And my first question is, let me run you through the, well, one, what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? Is there, are you going to fit in this program? Because honestly, if you're not going to fit in this program, don't give us the money to coach you. Like, we're not in this. If I wanted to be in money, I'd be working for Stryker. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm sure if you wanted to make money, you probably wouldn't be working here either. <laughs> sure. No, no, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. That's not the goal, right? right? That's not the goal. The goal is not first money at all. Yeah. Um, it is a human thing. So, totally. So good. So I asked them their goals, and then I run them through the platform and just see if it's going to be a good fit for them. Um, typically, they'll try one of our practice sessions for free, the first one, see if they like it, see if it works for them. We are very tech savvy, so you have to be online. You have to be on Zoom. You have to listen to your Bluetooth headphones. Not everyone knows how to do that. <laughs> so make sure it's a good fit, and then once they commit, then there's we offer three different kind of packages. It's either a do-it-yourself model, which is a little cheaper, a little bit more support, which is going to kind of be our middle one, or if you want like one-on-one -on -one sessions and more weekly conversations, then you go for our top-tier package. So No, that's so good. What I have found that's worth everyone paying money for in life is finding somebody to coach you in the terms of pushing you beyond your comfortability. 100%. And then second keeping you focused yep. so a good coach if they can do both of those things in the direction you want to go mm -hmm. that is worth so much money mm -hmm. that is worth so much energy that is worth so much effort and then having a professional coach you with the with the the lens of a pro mm -hmm. not the ability of one because not like you said not everyone has that ability right. but to be able to think through practically how to get from where you want to go to be where you want to be yeah. focus and helping me be, be uncomfortable right. because in that uncomfortability is growth how have you like do you get coaching because I hear I you talk about like training and coaching and I imagine it's pretty intense if you don't <laughs> mind like who are those people in your life that keep you focused and push you past your comfortability I feel like one as I've said family is everything like both my parents my brother they're my rock, but my biggest person is my trainer. Um, his name's Andrew Hangartner. He's been my trainer for the last five years now. And the dude's been the one constant kind of within since going pro. He's the one that I called trying to decide to go pro. And then he's the one that really made me switch my lifestyle from like that college fun time, you know, early 20s. And then going into, hey, you're not going to drink anymore. Hey, you have to clean up your diet you better be stretching every single night mobility in the morning. Where's your PT? What are you doing for recovery? How are you training? Like really pushing me to that next level of 
the comfortability of when I get into a pressure situation on the court in competition, I know that nobody has outworked me in that no matter what, I can be confident in my training. No, that's great. See, I have a picture that just came in my mind of like the typical racquetball player that everyone thinks about. You know, <laughs> it's not and this. <laughs> no, and they're usually no, no, no. It's, it's usually not someone that's uh, that's young. Honestly, right. it's usually someone that's maybe a little older. Usually, they're men and they've got the goggles and it's like a little bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweat they're just headbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like and it's like it's like that's kind of what I think people think about when they think of racquetball. But then you're talking about like lifestyle you're talking about diet you're talking about you're talking about like changing a whole uh, you're talking about a way of life yeah okay so I think that's really important for everyone if you want to excel in anything and go from casualness to competitive yes. uh, you win in the details mm -hmm. like that's where you actually win can you can you describe why you decided to go from casual to competitive like, what was that behind, what's behind that decision yeah. for you? I think I was casual my whole life. Like, I was good. I had really great achievements in my junior career. Um, really great achievements, but I was never dove all in. And I told myself, if I wasn't going to choose this career that was going to give me stability, be normal, the day-in, day-out job, kind of clock in, clock out, that... I have to go all in. My, I didn't think I was going to like it, funny enough. So I told myself, if you're not going to take this job offer, you need to go in for two years. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you hate it. You got to give it all for two years. Um, I always got told by my old coach, he said, are you going to be the grandma <laughs> that has your grandkids sit on your lap and be like, I don't know how good I could have been because I never tried. And I never wanted that to happen. I wanted to go all in. And if I failed, well, actually, I never thought I would fail. But Whatever, I went all in, you know? And so I just, I wanted to see if I could become the best. You didn't think you were going to fail, but you gave yourself a window of yeah. time. Why did you choose two years? Everyone always told me it would take two years to hit top 16. Um, granted, sorry guys, I kind of proved you wrong, but... Um, <laughs> uh, we were number one in three months. <laughs> we got number one the first, in the U.S., we got number one the first year of playing on the tour. And then from pro, I went from 64 to six in my first season. That's so cool. So, thanks. That is so cool. I just, I think this is, I mean, I, immensely cool because you've made an art of racquetball. You're, 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 you're making decisions based off of intentionality. You're making decisions based off of um, beauty. I think things that are beautiful have a lot of detail in them yeah. and you've, taken a lot of decisions to get into the minutiae of the details of your life Fair. and so when you put together that kind of those kinds of intentional decision making moments those decisions are the reasons that a painting becomes valuable right. because of the value and the intensity of the artist making the decision to choose how they're going to make the the painting or the stroke or the or the color or like that kind of same process is how I'm viewing what you're doing in this career that's really so cool Thanks. and inspiring, honestly. And then, you know, today's actually a, not a good day. <laughs> True. 
<laughs> like, I can't believe, I can't believe when we were talking and I was like, hey, let's just have a convo. Let's record it and mm -hmm. let's see what happens. And then literally the day that we decide to get on the mic, it is what it is. Um, yeah. Are you okay with maybe just talking totally. about it a little bit? I think what I found lately, um, just kind of as we get into this, it's, uh, by the way, today's not a good day for Erica. <laughs> Have we said that yet? <laughs> I think that's important. Um, but she's got a great smile. You have a great, like you walked in super positive. You just, you're, you're seeing an opportunity in not a good day. True. And uh, that is a pro. Mm -hmm. That is somebody Thanks. who's going to keep moving forward. That's someone who's going to use maybe negative things to realize that, you know, maybe, maybe somebody's working together uh, all things for the good of someone, totally. you know, who uh, has a relationship with him and lives according to kind of what he wants for them. And so 100%. I'm just, I, I feel like you're, you're claiming some, some positivity supernaturally. You're teeing up the life, ball right you know? now. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, I just feel it. But uh, I forget, I forgot what I was even, I was even saying, but the, the idea is this, it's uh, what I found. Oh, I remember what I found is a lot of my friends that I've been learning the most from mm -hmm. haven't made it yet. That's fair. They haven't gotten to a point of where they've decided to do something else. Yep. They're in process. And I have found that I love having people in my life that are excelling at the highest level, but they're still in process. They're still on their way. They're still, still trying to make it. They're still trying to go somewhere. And what I found is they may be the best people to learn from and to have in your corner because they'll help you keep going. I'm going to challenge you in that thought. Go ahead. Don't you think that everybody's always in a process, though? I think it's a choice. Oh, I like that. I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. I think it's a choice. Don't yeah. you think people settle and they stay? Yes. And so it's a choice to stay in that process or to opt out and say, I'm good where I've, be, where I've yep. been. And then they end up living in these days that I despise. Mm -hmm. And they're the days that, that we label as humans, the good old days. <laughs> right. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Thank you. You actually explained, honestly, my whole sport in a nutshell. Oh, in the good old days when racquetball was popular. What? Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. No, exactly. Uh, would you mind elaborating on that? Like, why? Why? Because racquetball's not done. No. Racquetball just has to be reimagined. Did anyone hear that right there? <laughs> racquetball's not done. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I just think I think that's really important. Okay. Yeah. So people are like, uh, okay. So let's let's get real on that, and then and then maybe we we'll we'll, we'll dive into like the day. Yeah, we will. for sure. Yeah, but I think this is really powerful because. Uh, I'm so glad that 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 your your eyes lit up on that because <laughs> some people could say it's pickleball days. Now. Right. Right? Totally. Okay, so you've heard that. Pickleball oh, yeah. is like now the thing. It's okay. not racquetball. Okay, so elaborate on how you're viewing that. Great question. <laughs> My hardest thing is I love a response of like people, what do you do? Play racquetball professionally. Oh, you know, wasn't that really popular in the 80s and the 90s? Yeah, it was. I'm so happy you know my career in sport. <laughs> and then you have the people that are really involved in racquetball. And then 
we get together to talk about how to grow and they're like, well, if only we could go back. If only it could be like it used to be. Is anything in this world like it used to be? Nothing is, like literally nothing between technology, where sponsorships are at, where sports in general are, like male and female sports. Hello, female sports. Let's go. You know? Shout out to female sports <laughs> and male sports. But yeah, come on. Amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I did. No, I'm glad you did. Every time, please. Um, so no, I think a lot of people have gotten comfortable with the fact that it's never going to be like it was, or it was easier back then. So they don't want to put in the work now to honestly not even make it to where it was, but surpass where racquetball was because it's not going to look the same. So it can't just, the wheel was made, but it was made and it's rusted. Like we need a new wheel to be made. Some of the things can work and can transfer over. But again, it's that comfortability of, ah, I have to put in work now to get my sport and my career back to where you want it to go. I mean, that's why my brother and I, we coach, we run events, we compete, we play on Team USA events. And at Team USA events, it's very rare that all athletes get paid to go and play in those events. So that is strictly pride and passion of playing and for the growth of your sport and your career. So it's, it's work. So um, I want to ask you, I want you to think about this question. Uh, what are two or three things that racquetball could do, in your opinion, to hockey stick up into the right? grow exponentially and I want to share with you one that I just thought of mm -hmm. right now um and then also did you know that there was I haven't told you this uh, so you don't know I don't know why I even <laughs> I'm asked. excited but uh there was about a whole year that I played racquetball no every way week. every week love that every week it was hilarious and it was so much fun and I learned how to hit people in the back. That was hilarious. <laughs> I love to, like, like with the ball. And it's like, oh, I, my point, you know, sorry. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that on purpose. But I just uh -huh. thought it was okay. uh, maybe a few of my friends. But, um, no, I just think it's hilarious. Um, I'm like, I uh, got you. And then it's like everyone's trying to hit each other on whatever. And the doubles, doubles, you know, like that Fair. happens a lot in doubles. Um, well, maybe not in your sport. <laughs> but when, <laughs> not the way that you play. In the way that we were playing, we were goofy. But um, had, did you watch the, the NBA All-Star game? No, I didn't. Okay. So they had a full LED court. Cool. Full LED court. And the colors and everything was changing all the time. And I just thought, okay, wow. It's visually very appealing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, what if there was a, uh, like... What do you call like what do you call a racquetball court? It's it's a box, but it, you just call it a court. Court. Okay, but it is a box, uh -huh. and there's a back wall that's see through. Okay, because yes. you have to play in a box to play racquetball. Mm -hmm. But like, what if, what if it was an LED box? That'd be cool. Wouldn't that be cool? And it was like Can you get a glow in the dark racquetball. Oh yeah, well yeah 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 cool. yeah. And it, <laughs> or the racquetball has to be a specific color so it doesn't you don't lose sight or you don't use certain colors. Yeah. So that you can see the racquetball. I'm just thinking. Or maybe the one wall you hit against is just a plain color. Yeah. Or I don't know. It just there. That would be sick. That'd be or a lot of fun. The floor is LED, yeah. and the roof is. I don't know. Have I'm you just, seen like the pickleball courts that are glow in the dark? No. Those are cool. Okay. So like I feel okay. like you're right. You have to make it visually appealing to do. So my brother just ran a tournament back in December. He built an all glass court. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Where? In California, Pleasanton. And so we were able to put seating all the way around the court. You can see from all four sides. And it was 
Unreal. Okay, Unreal. visually, that sounds amazing. I actually like that better right. than the LED quartz. Mm -hmm. Like, what if it was that with an LED floor or something? So cool. Oh, my gosh. See, that that changes the game. That makes me think of uh, Dod the movie Dodgeball a little bit. <laughs> like, uh, the, 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 For coming into the why. arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it's because the old men with the sports I fans. know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think there was like a like – a, there was one lady on there who was like – I don't know, whatever. Anyway. Um, so so uh, coming back to like like what you're thinking, what your brother did, that, that to me is – aesthetically pleasing yeah. it is innovative it is cool it's outside mm -hmm. it could stand alone what, what are some things that you think like if the racquetball um i forgot organate organizations or whoever leads the thing the the president or what i don't know yeah. uh, but you know what i'm saying like what if what, what would it take or what are a few things that you think would help it grow my one thing is going to be consistency a lot of things is just consistently showing up, consistently doing the things you're going to say you do. Um, I think that's one. And I think the other one, this sounds weird, but now that we have declined financially as a sport, I get that. But everyone thinks they have to volunteer everything. If you keep volunteering and then you burn out, who's going to want to take that next step to go? You need to make it that somebody is making money. Like, the whole volunteer thing, I really – like, yeah, you go and volunteer. I, I volunteer here on Sundays every once in a while. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, you volunteer. But when you're trying to do consistently volunteering and nobody's ever going to make money, unfortunately, we're money-driven. That is our society. And so I think when you're trying to be a business and there's not money coming in, it's not put up to grow. So I think consistency and – yeah, great. If you want to volunteer a couple of times, great volunteer. But you need to look at the sport in a business perspective rather than looking at it from a, oh, I want to help out. No, that's. I think that's. I think that's really good. And I think, um, man, communities right now. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it. And uh, what I believe about AI for uh -huh. a second. Okay. I, like this. I, I think this is. I think this is quite interesting. AI cannot solve one problem that I know for sure, and it's a community problem. Yeah. It cannot solve relational problems yet, and I don't think it will ever be able to, to, to fully give you community. It can act as someone else, or, and you know we're just not there yet, and, and that's fine, but I think there's a, you're still going to need community, whether you choose it to be AI or you want a real person. Like You're still going to have to choose to build a, a, a community, and so... It, that's going to be your choice. And so if you want to build a community around uh, things, you have to use the principles of community building yeah. at the very baseline. Mm -hmm. And so what I do know for sure is that, yes, volunteering is nice, but it's actually not a basis of community. Mm -hmm. There's serving that's different than volunteering. Interesting. And uh, And so... I just think it's really important to think through, like you said, consistency. That's the only way that any community grows. Mm -hmm. And then incentive. That's also another way community grows. Yeah. Like, why am I here? Now, you're talking about a financial 
like incentive. Mm -hmm. That's a part of an incentive. But there's actually like three or four other types of incentives. Community is one of them. Uh, yes, community is one of them. Uh, being needed is one of them. Being mm -hmm. known is one of them. Uh, having someone take care of you is another one. You know, love. That would be that kind of like unconditional, like that would be that kind of love and like caring mm -hmm. peace, which mm -hmm. would also be like serving and volunteering would fit in there. So yeah. it's like, it's like someone with a vision, you know, you know, without vision, people perish. Yeah. Well, without vision, everything does. And so you got to so have true. some, you got to have some vision with the thing if it's going to go anywhere. I feel like you can just drop your mic now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I just, I'm just hearing what you're saying. And I just, yeah. I feel like you really, you sparked something that I, that's very, very intriguing. And I think I love spending time. Uh, I love spending my time with people and around people of passion. Well, I'm right there with you. And, and, and right because you. I can I can feel it and I can sense it and I can <laughs> see it and it's inspiring to me. And that's one of the reasons why I'm that's one of the reasons why I call this full vantage yeah. is because your vantage point's different than mine. But I need it to help me grow. <laughs> and I need community with different vantage points to also solve problems uh, and achieve goals. And I like it because when we have an open conversation like this, yeah. I'm also growing though. Because uh -huh. yeah. I'm also able to take what you see. And as you said, it's the passion of what you do. It's you are a nomad and then you end up places and you make a difference in every community you're in. So it's like it's cool to get challenged in thoughts and hear different perspectives because it works for all different aspects of life. I mean, no, and, and exactly. And I think honestly, there couldn't be a I know we talked about this earlier. And so let's, let's maybe dive into this. Sure. But this day, right? Yeah, it's a great day. <laughs> you know, it's fake news. Um, not a good day. Um, so like. Like, okay, because this isn't a good day, there's not a better day to actually have an honest conversation than yeah. today. You know, there's not a better day to inspire somebody. There's not a better day to tell your story. Well, one, it's the only day that you have. <laughs> but two, having good conversation in the middle of like, maybe even, I know you're not depressed, but I'm like in a depressing or like a sad or like a- In a trial. Yeah, 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 a trial. Mm -hmm. Like uh, a struggle, yep. a challenge. We could put a lot of synonyms, but like the feeling is, we understand the feeling in its mm -hmm. totality. And so like, there's not a better time to do it. Like have a good conversation than in this. So like, if you don't mind, yeah. uh, let's just, let's just dive into why today, like, is just not fun for you? Fair. So two weeks ago I was practicing and it was a week before my national competition. Again, nationals, we only get one chance to make Team USA to qualify. So you either have to make it to the finals of singles or win doubles and either doubles or mixed doubles. And also, if you don't make Team USA, you don't get healthcare insurance. So as an athlete, that is very important. I have a lot of recovery stuff that is needed. So um, about a week before competition, I was playing, I twisted wrong and my hip kind of felt like it somewhat like popped out of socket. Like it just, it wasn't like fully just dis like dislocated, but it was just, it didn't feel right. Couldn't really walk well. And I was like, ah, I just have to make it to Tuesday. On Tuesday, I would see a chiropractor in Arizona. He's amazing. Um, so, of course, I fly every other week. I'm very good at flying. It's the one day that everything possibly could have gone wrong. Security went wrong. The plane wasn't able to take off on time. We had to change gates two times. Like, everything was wrong. So I missed my appointment with this chiropractor. Next morning, I was like, my trainer, Andrew, ended up giving me up his, chiro his chiropractor spot the next day so I could go and see this guy. And he was like, hey, dude, you should not compete this week. I think you have a torn labrum in your hip. And I was like, I have to compete. 
like this is my passion this is my life this is part of my identity um like all the main things like I'm competing so he was like all right let's see how much we can get done we had a great game plan going into nationals it was in a lot of pain um that was on Wednesday when I saw him we started competing Wednesday by Friday I was playing a game and my back locked up I think my back was trying to keep my hip in socket so my back locked up lost a lot of function in my back could no longer tie my shoes, pick up a racquetball on the court anymore. I um, just couldn't bend in any way. It could only be exactly straight. Couldn't sit in a chair. That sucked. Um, but made it to Saturday. Saturday, I played my semifinals match in singles. I won it. My doubles partner, I had to play against my doubles partner. She played out of her mind. It was unreal. Probably one of the toughest matches I've played in a long time. Um, and then the next morning, I didn't sleep that night because of the pain that I was in from playing that day. Next day, I tried playing in the finals around 4-4 first game. I felt another pop in my hip um, to find out it was my SI joint going out in my back. So then I really lost function. Couldn't move to the left anymore. Couldn't swing a backhand. I had to forfeit my very first match in 20 years of playing. Um, couldn't walk Monday anymore. Couldn't stand up. Um, saw the chiropractor again. Thank goodness, Corey. Thank you. <laughs> he got me to be able to get back on the airplane. And I got two MRIs done. And the last MRI showed that I actually did tear my labrum. Um, I haven't heard back from my doctor yet, so I don't know if it's surgery. Um, no matter what, I'm out for a couple months. If it is surgical, which is what it looks like it's leaning towards, I'm out for six to nine months, six months back to regular life, nine months back to high performance. And yeah, that's okay. my day. Okay. Woohoo! Okay. <laughs> okay. Hold on. You just said that you came in second in a national tournament with the torn l hip labrum the whole time. Like, I thought torn hip labrum practice, okay, not going to play. Uh, found out it's torn today, you know. You, wait, like, you're blowing my mind right now. Be how, because you were in, you just gave so much credit to your doubles partner like shout out to her, awesome. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now you beat you beat. She played out of her mind, and you beat her with a torn labrum. That doesn't say anything. I'm not saying anything negative about her. I'm just saying, what in the world? Your pain tolerance, <laughs> and your passion, and your uh, your ability to keep playing through it, like crazy. What are you What are you doing? Something's wrong in the brain. <laughs> what are you? What in the world? Okay. Well, but but okay. But that also speaks to when most people quit, want to quit or should quit. Mm -hmm. You don't. What's there? What is? Tell me more about that. Oh boy, um, it's hard. It's hard. It's a mental, it's a mentality, and it's a choice. So, come Wednesday when I wasn't supposed to compete anymore, I found out the possibility of my hip being torn. Um, I called one of my mentors, and I also called my trainer, and. My mentor in racquetball, he kind of gave me the direction of what I need to be doing on the racquetball side. He's like, all right, you can play. He's like, but you need to be really intentional with your serves. It's the only time you get to hold a ball in your hand. So you have to be very intentional in that. You need to play super smart racquetball. You're not going to be able to move as much. I knew I couldn't take big lunging steps. I could only take small steps. So I just had to be really, really aware of what my body was doing in space. And when I called my trainer, he said, make the choice right now. You're either going to choose to not compete or you're going to choose to compete. And he goes, and once you make that choice, stick to it, period. So I was like, no, I choose to compete. And he's like, do you want to take time to answer? I said, no. 
choosing to compete. And he goes, sweet. So knock it off. Like you're going to be in pain. It's going to hurt, but you are going to do everything in your control to get through it because you've now made that decision. And so we did it. You control your controllables. So, I mean, it was contrast between heat and ice in between every one of my games. It was make, I changed my whole warm up. Um, saw the team physio every single before and after every single one of my matches. Nutrition had to be on point. Your fluid intake had to be on point. Like everything had to be on. Um, and so you choose. And once you choose, you know you're going to, you know it's going to hurt. That's it. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Control the controllables, make a choice, move forward, understand, yes, it's going to hurt, but do you think it would hurt more if you didn't try? I... What does that look like not to try? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've been injured a lot, like, and played through it. Um, actually, the first time I got injured, I, it was my very first national championship title. Something about nationals, man. What else? What's up with that? <laughs> but in 2022, I was in the finals, and I fell on the court. I slipped on sweat. Dumb. But I fell into the side glass wall, and my hip lodged up into my back, and my back went out, and I couldn't move anymore. Saw that they gave me an injury timeout. You get 14 minutes. Went to go see the physio. Nobody could help me. And I was like, hey, like, everyone just get away from me. Like, just get away from me. And I prayed. And I was like, God, if this is where I'm meant to be, if this is what I'm supposed to be doing, help me finish. Like, help me finish this match. And if it's in your will that this is what I'm supposed to do, just let me play the best I can play. I never pray to win. I pray to be the best player I can be that day. And if my opponent wins, they win. They're the best player. But literally, got done praying, looked up, and all of a sudden I could walk. Like, it was unreal. Um, everyone's like, can you jump? Can you? And I was able to move. I mean, if I did weird movements, it would hurt. But I went back on the court. I ended up winning that national championship. No pain. And two hours later, I couldn't move again. My back went back out. Like, it's crazy. So I think very similarly to this, it was crazy. I was walking into my finals. I was in a lot of pain. And I was walking up to the court and... One of my competitors' moms, uh, Malia, she's like my racquetball mom when I'm at tournaments. And she goes, she, she's never done this before. But she goes, hey, can I pray over you before you compete? And I was like, yes, you can, which is crazy because she's never done that. I was literally listening to worship music because I did not know how I was going to get through this finals. And she sat there and she just, she prayed. And same thing, she didn't pray for me to win. She didn't even pray for me to play well. She prayed to give me the strength that whatever happens in this match, that I'm going to be able to get through it. And it was so weird what her prayer was, because normally people pray for you to compete. It's, I hope she can play the best she can play. I hope that she leaves it all on the court. You know what I mean? Or she can play smart or intelligent, what you've trained to do. But she just prayed that I would trust in God for whatever happened. I knew it was in the best interest of him. And so... I've never broken down so hard when having to forfeit that match, but that prayer that she gave me randomly has stuck with me through this whole thing because it is the trust of patience. It is the trust of that there is something greater in this, even though my whole life has turned upside down. Wow. Why do you think it was random? 
Well, it wasn't random. It made, <laughs> Holy Spirit, you got the plan. <laughs> it wasn't random, but it was random. <laughs> sure, sure. To, to, the, to the onlooker, it was randomly good timing. Yeah. And to someone who does have faith, like, and you are trying to follow the Lord, it's, it's actually more than just, you know, randomness. It's, it's really relationship that you, you know, that, you know, that I've, we've kind of talked about a little bit, like your relationship with God. It's, and so it's like, how does that fit in? Like, what is, what do you, what is, tell, if you don't mind, just like, mm-hmm. how, how is faith playing into your faith in Jesus playing into kind of like how you're viewing the next six to nine months? And is he that kind of source for opportunity and positivity? You know, because yeah. like, like I see you carry that quite obviously. So yeah. if you don't mind, just I think sharing a little bit of that. The injury is the hardest thing you can tell an athlete. Sure. Surgery is the hardest thing you can tell an athlete, um, period. I mean, as anyone, actually, not being able to move, not being able to do your lifestyle, mm-hmm. your dream, like all that's kind of taken from you in a second. But... I mean, prayer, faith, the trust in him, um, it's just kind of that it's the backbone. And so that's really cool. It's almost like you always have a security. I love the, there's a poem of when you're walking in the beach and like they see two sets of footprints and then all of a sudden it goes to one and this guy's like, hey, I thought you said you were going to walk with me through my whole life, but for some reason in the sand right now, I only see one set of footprints. Why is there no longer two? Where'd you go? And God's response was, no, I was carrying you during that time. And so that's kind of where I feel like I'm at, where I'm not necessarily walking, but I'm getting carried to put, for him to put one's foot in front of the other, because this is really difficult for me right now. And so it's, but again, you go back to controllables and what can you can control? I can control that I have a faith. I have a faith that there's a plan. I have faith that whatever he's putting in my way it's going to make me stronger and it's going to be for the better of maybe not just myself, but of others, you know? And so, um, through that, I see other opportunities if I am out for the next six, nine months. And if I'm only out for six weeks, well then there's opportunity in that too, you know? So, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll be end up being what it needs to be. Yes. And it's going to be better on the other side. I love that. Just kind of reiterate, like we started this whole maybe like conversation of, you know, process, choosing to stay in it and keep growing through it. And would you say that this may be the worst injury you've had? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> with that being on the the forefront of your mind, if it's the hardest thing you've ever had to go through, doesn't that mean that you're going to be even better than you've ever been on the other side of it? That's the goal. And so, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up for you, you know, and I'm not happy for you, meaning <laughs> like, I don't want you to go through this, no, I appreciate it. Though. but, but I love, I, I love your, um, I love your positivity <laughs> and your desire to grow a sport, to be a pro, to create art with it, the whole thing. And, uh, I believe you can literally shift a whole international sport. Thank you. <laughs> I believe in you. I just, I think, 
I just think you, your brother, the team around you, mm -hmm. thinking through how do we make this something uh, achievable, um, exciting, um, next level? What, where does this need to go? And I think maybe you need some time over these next few months to catch a vision mm -hmm. for, um, for what you can do and how you can or your team can do to help it. Like, where are we going with this thing? Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe that's maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's not like it's not like we have to know right now. But the thing is, is there is opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. Man, Erica. <laughs> so I mean, this is awesome. I, I've had so much fun talking with you. I think this may be like yeah. a good time to kind of wrap it up. So as people are inspired by you, want to connect with you, maybe even mm -hmm. want to talk to you about racquetball or coaching, how does somebody uh, connect with you? Fair. Thanks. Uh, Instagram, Erica Racquetball USA. Facebook, Erica Mania. Um, email is really simple, Erica at ManiaAthletics.com. So with a K. With Erica a K. with a K. Yes. E R I K A. Good job. <laughs> and there's there's there two I's in your last name? Two L's. Two L's. It's like vanilla, but Mania. Ah, nice. Uh -huh. <laughs> I got you. Do you care to spell it real quick? Yep. M A N I L L A. There it is. Mania, but the L's are silent. Silent. That's Spanish. It's so cool. Um, <laughs> thank you for on this not cool day. Thanks for having me. To um, allow me to have a conversation with you. It's fun. I learned so much, inspired by you, and uh, grateful that you're a part of this community. My gosh, so cool. Number one racquetball player in the country. I, honestly, the world. I mean, let's not just, yet. Not yet. I can't know, claim just, that title. She yet. can't claim it. On her way to being number one in the world. Not we'll when say. We can claim. We'll say that. We'll say that. And uh, yeah, just honored that I could get to know you a little bit better today. Well, thank you. I learned a lot from you too. Thank so you I so much. It. Well, thank you guys for joining Full Advantage Podcast. We need people like Erica speaking into our life. So hopefully, hopefully you're inspired uh, to keep going in the middle of like a lot of pain. Um, so, uh, have a great day. Catch you later.